and um, other guests. Uh, I got a call yesterday afternoon that uh, my son was not feeling well, and he said, can you put something together and share this morning, <laughs> tomorrow morning? And I said, okay. So I got up at 2 o'clock this morning <laughs> to put this together. Uh, how many of you enjoyed that preschool performance? That was great. I, I like that. <clears throat> We've had almost all of our grandkids go through the preschool. And uh, I remember my youngest son's youngest daughter, when she was up here, <clears throat> every child has a different personality. Uh, you'll, not you'll notice that. You know, some are shy and backwards, and others are just exuberant. And she could not be controlled. She was all over the stage, and she was supposed to have just one spot. In fact, I see all these names on these peeps where kids are supposed to stand. <clears throat> and I thought, you know, that's just the way God has made kids, and he's made every single one of them. You know, you think when you have kids that they're all, because they're yours, they're all going to be the same, and every single one of them are so unique and so different. <clears throat> We are living in such a unique period uh, in, our, in our history in Maui. And Andrea asked you to pray for, for Pastor John. Uh, I could not believe two months ago when the fires broke out that our church was immediately uh, moving towards helping. I mean, we, that first week, and I don't think that I would, I would react that way. And so I'm, I'm looking at my son thinking, what is he doing? You know, he is just so uh, intense and passionate about making sure that we get help on the other side. And we had 100 people almost every single day that first week. And I'm so glad for our staff. We, we, I should say thank you to our staff. They, they were so great getting behind everything. And after the supplies that we went out, uh, he had this idea that people don't have money. we got to get money to them. And so we were providing $500 checks. And we thought for maybe 12 families that are connected with our church, because as far as we knew, nobody in our church uh, had, uh, were living in Lahaina. But we found out there might be 12 families that are connected. When we took a survey that week, we found out 200 families were connected to our church. By the end of the week, we found out there were 600 families. And I don't know if you know about the almost 8,000 people immediately, no, 11,000 that immediately uh, got in, filed for unemployment. You know, that, that, that's incredible. That's, a, that's almost 10% of our population. So we just, so what happened with um, with Pastor John was he just jumped in, tried to get everything going, and then he had on his heart this uh, need that's coming very, very close to us right now in our, uh, in our island where many families might be homeless, you know, because the, the uh, benefits are going to run out for the rental coverage in, in hotels. And, and we're hearing all kinds of different stories as, as we get in contact with people. And we're praying what to do 
And I don't know if you folks have seen the two container homes out there, the red container homes. There's a bunch of generous donors in the mainland that were looking for a piece of property they could put 50 container homes so that there was homes available that uh, is the size of eight by 40 feet with two bedrooms, living room, bathroom, and um, a kitchen. And so that's gonna involve a lot of work because um, it has to be outfitted on the inside, you know, the windows cut out and they're planning to put solar panels on the top. Uh, and so, you know, we're looking at all of that thinking, well, that's a lot of, and it's really interesting. And these are the things that we have to do because we've got eight acres in the back of the church that we want to devote to um, providing homes. And, um, <clears throat> you know, there's so many red tapes to go through with the county, so you can pray. I, I think he just got hit really hard with all the things that <laughs> is involved in getting something like this done. And um, so just pray for him. Well, let's pray for him together. What is really interesting is this. Um, have you guys heard of, of Boxable? Anybody heard of, of Boxable? Okay, this is... Uh, prefabricated homes that come something like maybe 10 feet by 20 feet and in one hour it just unfolds into a house fully equipped so we're right now negotiating to be able to get those 50 of them on the property and i i'm standing watching all of this happen thinking miracles of god are at work, and at least we might be able to help 50 families. So, Lord, we just thank you for this time together with this uh, preschool uh, program. People in our church that, have, uh, that are here for guests, we pray that your hand would be upon each one of us as we find the place that we would play in being able to relieve all the, the hurt, the loss, the needs in Lahaina. And as we celebrate family this morning, we just are grateful for what you are doing in our lives to make us vessels and vehicles and conduits of blessing. You bless us so that we can be a blessing. So I just pray that we would understand that in our hearts and in our lives, that whatever happens in every single one of our lives that... Uh, creates blessings and gifts and abundance in our lives is so that it can be a blessing to many others. So we give you thanks and praise for that in Jesus' wonderful name. Bless these few words we pray. Amen. And everybody said, Amen. <clears throat> We're in a series called Ohana Matters, and I've got probably about 20 minutes, I think. What time do, am I supposed to end? At 10 o'clock? What is the time? In 25 minutes, okay. <clears throat> so I can't be a long-winded preacher this morning. Uh, I want to speak about God and Jesus in family priorities. I, I grew up in a home that was not uh, church-going. How many of you grew up in a home where your mom and dad were Christians and they knew the Lord? How many of you grew up that way? How many of you went to church on a regular basis every Sunday? Okay. How many of you had 
a family that prayed on a regular basis uh, with each other. How many of you had families where you read the Bible and studied the Bible together? Okay, uh, every time I ask a question, there's less, there's less hands. <clears throat> and all of those things really, really matter in, in a home. Uh, I grew up in a home where my dad's um, focus, because he grew up so poor in Okinawa, uh, he hardly had shoes to, to go to school with. Uh, when he came here, God gave him some real uh, tremendous uh, gifts, and he was able to just make a lot of money. I mean, that, that's, that's what was his uh, desire. And his focus was on the necessities of life because he didn't have it uh, when he grew up. And I just want to take a look at these scriptures from Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 to 33. And this is what Jesus says. This is the, con the context of this is a Sermon on the Mount. Probably one, one of the greatest... Uh, moral teachings ever given by any, any religious leader uh, in the world. And there's three chapters. In the, in the center of these three chapters are these verses. And I, I believe they're really hard-hitting, insightful, vital, important lessons for us. Uh, and it speaks about demands of life. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Because we're concerned about making sure that our needs are met. My dad was, uh, was a very hardworking person. He, he worked hard. He would get out and he got us up at 3 o'clock in the morning. He was a res restaurant owner and a cook. Um, and they go to bed up at about 11 or 12 o'clock. So he had three or four hours of sleep every night. <clears throat> He's... He saw Pearl Harbor attack, and when he saw that happen, and he saw the, the force of the American military at work, because he was drafted into the military right away, he saw the government recover from that attack within a month, and their airstrips were um, brand new again. He looked at that, and he said, America's going to win this war. And uh, Japan's going to lose. And he saw the real estate prices plummet. And he said, after the war, real estate is going to take off. And here's this 20-year-old guy coming over from, the, from another culture, basically because he had to learn English and everything. He said, I'm just going to invest in real estate. And he did. And he had as his goal, this is really interesting, I never had a, a significant conversation with my father while I grew up. You know, not, he, I can't remember any history lessons, uh, our Okinawan background, I didn't understand anything about that, had no un understanding of his vision for life <clears throat> until he was 90 years old when I had to help take care of him. And we spent days together. And he would tell me all these stories, and I thought to myself, why wait until now to tell me all these stories? One of the lessons that he was telling me about was his dream for his life. He said, what I wanted to do was buy enough real estate, have enough rentals so that I would have one rental to live by, 
every single day when I retire. That would be my income, one rental, 31 rentals. And then, and, and so he sent me to, to a parochial school, wanting me to get a really good job as a professional. And I came to know Jesus Christ in my life at 15 years old, and my whole life changed. I felt purposeless, having no meaning, afraid of death, uh, feeling like everything that I was doing that was wrong was I'm going to be held accountable to God, and I did not know any, any way out. And I came to Christ at 15 years of age, and by the time I graduated from high school, I was so into the Bible and, and the Lord, I felt the Lord calling me into ministry, disappointing my dad so greatly. I mean, he was so disappointed. He wanted me to have the same focus as he did, to have money, assets, material possessions as uh, my goal, just like he had for himself. You know what happens with many of us, and if we're not careful? Uh, we are so busy uh, making a living that we forget how to live. The next thing that Jesus says is really interesting. And he leads us into a spiritual reality. He says, for after all these things the Gentiles seek, what to wear, what to eat, that's just part of life itself. And every single person has a focus on the spiritual aspects of life. You know, that this past uh, two months, I'm kind of a hoarder. Uh, I, I like just collecting things. And especially what I've collected, about 10 years ago, uh, I did a master's in biblical studies. And I've got all these books that I had to study for probably five years, and all the papers that I've written. And I have it all stacked up in um, cardboard boxes in my garage. And I haven't looked at it once in 10 years. Anybody got a problem with that in your life? <clears throat> when I realized that a whole town can be destroyed in one day, I thought, that can happen to any one of our lives overnight. And I remember when my mom and dad passed away, going through all of their belongings and their possessions that was so precious to them, and we were either giving it away or selling it in a garage sale. And I thought, that's what's going to happen to everything that we collect in our lives. And God knows exactly, this is what the scripture says, your heavenly father knows what you have need of in your life. And Jesus makes a comment about how the sparrows and the creatures of the earth have no worry, no concern, because God provides for them on a regular basis. Aren't we more important than all the creatures and the animals and the birds of the air? We are. And I, what I found was so important in my life, my dad came to know. <clears throat> he had accumulated about 20 
five rental units. I mean, today you just think about that, you know? What is one rental unit worth as far as an income? He had paid for it all. And then all of a sudden, an investment that he had put his monies into went south. And 70 to 80% of all that he had invested in was gone. And he made a choice for that because he had led people into a, a group that invested together and everybody lost their money. And I was surprised at this because I wouldn't have done what he did. He felt the responsibility to pay back every person he had led into this investment. And so he sold out all of his investments to pay people back. And I thought, I can't believe this. But about six months later, I get a call from the Japanese pastor in Honolulu because he and my mom started go to, going to church. Calls me up on the phone and he says, um, your mom and dad are gonna get baptized in water this coming Sunday. And that's like maybe two or three days from the day that I, I received the call. <clears throat> and he says, can you come over and watch them get baptized? So I made sure somebody else was preaching for me, flew over there, watched them get water baptized, sat down with my, my dad, and he looked me in the eye and he made this comment to me. He said, Eddie, I thought you were making the wrong decision when you became a minister. I know who my friends are today, and they're not people that have money. If I had to do it all over again, I would choose the path you chose. I thought, wow, I can't believe that. Because he found out what real values of life is. <clears throat> and he watched our kids grow up. And on a regular basis, and maybe more than one time a week, maybe three or four times a week, We'd have services, Bible studies. Our kids would be involved in all of that. And I'm watching my kids as they grow, and I'm thinking, they love God. They want to serve him. They're raising their families to love the Lord. And I'm so proud of every single one of them. You know what I believe is a really important practice in all of our lives that we've kind of fallen away from? Is to just make sure you attend church on a regular basis. It doesn't matter if you come to this church, but find a church that can help feed you and lead you and guide you in your life. This is what I've learned, that every single one of us have a choice in our lives. We have a choice every time we get up in the morning what to do. And this is what Jesus says is the most important thing. He says, most of us are concerned about all the material things in this life. God knows about it. He's aware of what, what you're facing, what your needs are. But this is the daily choice we make, and make sure you choose rightly. And this is what he says. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Uh, I, I was used to getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning, getting woken up by my mom and dad, threw us into the car, took us over to the restaurant. They had a little a little bedroom in the back that 
my brother and myself could go to sleep at. But uh, often we'd have to get up a little earlier and make some donuts and help with making some of the, the buns and washing some dishes and doing other things. So I, it was used, I was used to getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and I found that after I became a Christian, I'd get up at 4.30, and I'd be able to pray for an hour, hour and a half, and read my Bible. I had a, when I accepted Christ into my life, uh, an older Christian uh, high schooler came up to me and said, now that you've accepted Christ in your life, one of the first things that you need to do every day in the morning is pray and read your Bible. And I'd find myself taking 10 minutes, praying and reading my Bible, as I'd sit in the back of the bus going to school. And I kept doing that, finding that God would speak to me through the scriptures. I learned about health. I learned about family. I learned about money. I learned about influencing people through the Bible. I thought there's so much richness in spending time with God and praying. And one of the things that Lord laid on my heart, I, I don't know how you feel, especially you who are um, preschool parents, but, you know, when you get, I, I notice that people's senses of spirituality get uh, very sensitive uh, when they have their first child. They realize this is a gift from God. You know, this is a miracle. A child is a miracle. And we've got to steward this miracle well. And they start thinking about where can they go to church? Not for themselves, for the child. You know, this is what I learned. That your child will not do what you teach them. Your child will do what you model for them. Your life is a greater influence on your children's life than all the lessons you try to verbally teach them. And I found that us going to church on a regular basis, our kids would come to church, but I had such a sense of inadequacy as because I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Uh, my, my wife didn't grow up in a Christian home. We prayed. We said, Lord, help us to know how to raise our kids properly. And one of the things that I would regularly do every single day, I'd get up in the morning, and I'd pray five things for my kids. And I learned this because of consulting with older pastors. Uh, I, I don't know if you know this, but <clears throat> there's, a lot of, there's a lot of pastors, children, that decide they don't want to go to church after they get older. And I didn't want that to happen to us. And so we learned all kinds of things. But one of the main things I learned was learning how to pray. So I prayed five things. I call them the five C's for my, my children every single day, for John, for Sharina, for David. I prayed. The first thing was Christ, that they would have a relationship with Christ, that they would, it wouldn't be something that was forced on them, even though we disciplined ourselves so that we'd pray with them at night and in the morning. And I had a hard time corralling them during breakfast to sit down and read through the book of Proverbs every day of uh, the, the month. You know, the first day would be the first chapter, the second day, the second chapter. And then have them tell me what they learned from the scriptures. But I'd pray that they would come to know Christ. 
I, I can tell you some stories about how that happened, but all of them came to know Jesus Christ personally in their lives. Second thing I prayed about <clears throat> was classrooms, uh, that they would be, do well in school, and they would learn all that they needed to do. And I, I had some questions watching John enjoy his skateboarding in high school and never opening a book to study in high school. <clears throat> but uh, So that's the second, second prayer, was that they would do well in school. The third thing was that they would find the college that would be the best college for them or a school that would prepare them for their careers. So I prayed for a college that they would go to. Uh, Sharina was able to go through her bachelor's in business in three years, and John took seven years. So it took a little longer. And then I, pr then I prayed for their careers. Whatever they, the gifts that they have, I didn't care whether they'd be involved in church, our church. I, I, I had no intention of them being ministers. And yet the input that they received in their own lives spiritually motivated them to want to serve God. The fifth thing that I prayed about was their companion. Christ, classroom, college, career, companion. Somewhere I, I knew, as soon as our kids were born, somewhere in the world was uh, a young lady, a baby that will become a young lady for my two sons, and a guy that's a young baby that will become a young man that they will marry one day. And I prayed, Lord, work in their spouses, work in their lives so their paths would cross, and one day the, the companion of your choice they would meet and be married to. And I believe that that has happened for every single one of them. This is finally what the, the scripture says, or what Jesus says. When you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you trust him that the end of that verse is all these things that you're concerned about, the money that you're concerned about, the home you're concerned about, the job that you're concerned about, everything you're concerned God is going to give it as a blessing to you. And I stand back after, by next year, we will have been in Maui 50 years. And I stand back looking at what God has done in our lives, in our family, in our church, in the relationship we have with other churches on this island. And I'm dumbfounded at the blessing of God that has come. Every single one of my grandkids love the Lord. It was really interesting. Um, you know, the... <clears throat> David's youngest daughter, uh, Sadie, was the one that was jumping all over the stage when she was in preschool. Came up to us the other we, we have a Sunday night um, family dinner together. She came up to Susan and myself and she said, You know, when I uh, went to uh, Kaji Kempo this past week, I noticed one of the mothers of uh, one of the students that had a knee brace around her. And I just felt that I wanted to pray for her. So I went over and I asked um, 
can I pray with you <laughs> for, your, for your knee to be healed? And she said, yeah, sure. So this, what is she, fifth grade, sixth grade? Sadie. So she, and she just prayed for this lady, and the lady said, thank you very much. I'm thinking from the, this young age, they are uh, becoming spiritual blessings to other people. You know, and God wants to do that through every single one um, of our families and our family's life. I want to just close with this one thought this morning. Uh, and some of you have heard this, but I, I think it bear repeating. There's a study that was made of two families in American history. A family that came from a well-known evangelist by the name of Jonathan Edwards. And, a, and another family that always was getting into trouble. Uh, they had a criminal history and involved in alcohol. Uh, and this is, after tracking the family for five generations, this is what they found. And this is on the left. Uh, this is the final slide on the PowerPoint. So out of Jonathan Edwards' legacy, this is what happened. He had one US president, one dean of a law school, another dean of a medical school, three governors, three US senators, and you can just go through military officers, lawyers, clergymen, college graduates, uh, all these folks, because of a commitment, he grew up in a Christian home that taught him how to pray, love God, go to church on a regular basis, and his, his legacy that was left multi-generationally was blessed. On the other side was a man by the name, and this, is, um, this was studied uh, in various universities, Max Jukes and his legacy. And when they followed his family lineage, they found 300 died prematurely, 440 were physically wrecked uh, by addiction to alcohol, 310 were paupers, 400, uh, 150 were convicts, 190 were prostitutes, 60 were thieves, seven were murderers. What God does to those that love him and wants to serve him is incredible. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and the blessings of God will follow you. Put God first, and God will bless your life. We're going to end with um, partaking of the table of the Lord together. You have been given, if you haven't, um, if you don't have in your hands, uh, our elements of communion, bread and the bread and the cup. We're going to partake of that together this morning. And if you have never opened your heart to receive Christ, you can do that this morning. Uh, if you haven't gotten the bread and the cup, you can just raise your hands and our ushers will be coming to provide it for you. When I was 15, I accepted Christ. My whole life changed. I felt the forgiveness of sins, the, the fear of death leave, uh, meaning and purpose given to me. And if you've never done that, as you receive this table this morning, you can just say, 
I want you, Jesus, in my life. For those of you that already have done that, I want to challenge you to respond to Jesus' words, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And God's blessings will follow you in your life. Father, this morning we just thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. Thank you for this table that you instituted 2,000 years ago to remind us of what you have done. Going to the cross, dying for us, suffering, being tormented and tortured as you did in order to provide forgiveness of sins through your blood. Bless this bread, bless this cup as it reminds us of your body that was broken and your blood that was shed. And for those that have never opened their hearts to receive you into their lives, may this be a step of them saying, yes, I want you, Jesus, in my life. I want to seek you and have things of this life, not something I pursue, but something that is given as gifts to me in my life. Go ahead and eat the bread and drink the cup. Okay, I think we're ready for Andrea.